Au revoir and welcome to a new episode of Only Goats and Horses with your two hosts, Bread Roll and JT. Hello everyone, and this week we're looking at a Christmas special, the first ever Christmas special, which is kind of, I guess it's still part of series one, although it was a couple of months after, as we said last week, and it's called Christmas Crackers. It is indeed, which aired on the 28th of December 1981 to 7.5 million viewers, which not too bad, considering, what was it, last week's episode was 8.8 million or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, so obviously the Russians are coming that we talked about last week, lost another one and a half million odd viewers. It kind of went up and down the last few episodes, didn't it? It started off quite well, dropped down to six odd, went back up to eight and now back down to seven and a half. So it sort of fluctuated a bit this series. I suppose as well, um, like especially back then as well, because we've said there's only a couple of channels that we had available and Christmas specials were all the rage, weren't there? I mean, I doubt the British public would want to miss the Queen Vic getting burnt down on EastEnders or something crap like that, would they? <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. There must have been some pretty stiff competition. Yeah, I guess. I mean, EastEnders, I don't think there's about 85 that came out. Well, no, I don't know. But, yeah, I, this is the first ever episode that runs over half an hour, isn't it? It's 33 minutes, 35 on DVD and a massive one second shorter this week on iTunes. Another random timing sort of discrepancy there yeah yeah it's strange isn't it because like the, the christmas specials become a bit of a thing especially as we get like we get along obviously the series a bit more um and also they go about feature length because some of them like jolly boys out and that's like an hour and 40 isn't it? nearly pushing two hours some of them yeah i think um to hull and back was the first feature length one they did um obviously we'll get to them when we get that far along but they certainly got better the christmas specials didn't they yeah, they certainly did. I mean, we'll touch on this in a minute, but this one um, it's a little bit flat in places. I've got obviously a few mm. notes to make here, but um, we'll let you go through the synopsis there, JT, and then we'll uh, we'll give our thoughts to the listeners. Indeedy. And just before I do, this is the only episode of Only Fools between 81 and 87 that was not produced by Ray Butt, who produced pretty much all of the early episodes, but he didn't produce this one. He was reassigned to something called Seconds Out, apparently. For this I don't even know what that is something that was on BBC at that time don't remember it but if you do fair play I don't okay so let's have a look at the older uh, synopsis then this is again from our old friend Wikipedia it's Christmas day and granddad is cooking a dinner while Rodney is reading a book on body language which Mickey Pierce has lent him Dale boy arrives and gives granddad 20 pounds for Christmas however granddad tells Dale that he hasn't got him a present this year as he doesn't believe in the commercialisation of a Christian festival. Rodney is worried about Grandad's cooking and suggests to Dale that they go on a hunger strike to get out of eating it, but Dale refuses, saying that it's Grandad's role to cook the dinner as it makes him feel as though he's still needed in the family. Later, as the trio sit down to Christmas dinner, Dale is horrified to discover that the turkey is undercooked and still contains the melted bag of giblets stuffed inside, along with the sage and onion stuffing. Christmas pudding is no better, which Grandad has literally burnt to a cinder. Later that evening, Dell is snoozing on the sofa, which he isn't, it's actually a chair, 
while Rodney begrudgingly watches a circus on the television. Waking Dale with his protestations, uh, protestations sorry, of boredom, Rodney suggests that he and Dale visit the Monte Carlo Club in New Cross for a drink. They begin to argue, with Dale explaining that Grandad would be hurt if they left him alone on Christmas night. However, Grandad appears and announces he is off out to a Christmas party as he is annoyed by the brothers arguing. Consequently, Dale and Rodney decide to go out after all. At the nightclub, Rodney spots two attractive women sitting at a table on the other side of the bar. Intending to go over and flirt to them, he prepares himself by reading from Mickey Pierce's body language book. He attempts a masculine walk to impress the girls, which Dale teases him about and Rodney becomes embarrassed. The two spend most of the evening arguing about the best way to approach the girls, taking so long over it that by the time they do get round to approaching the women, they find the other two men have left have beaten them to it. And that is well, another pretty shitty synopsis from uh, Wikipedia, really, but it kind of, again, sort of sums up the episode, doesn't it? It does. It puts it together in a nutshell, really. And this is, again, um, this must be like the second mention of Mickey Pierce. As always, Mickey Pierce is never just Mickey um, before he's actually materialised on the show. And we also get the first hint here, because this becomes a bit of an ongoing thing, that Grandad is shite at cooking, can't cook anything <laughs> to save his life, can he? And this is probably the first episode where they really kind of emphasise that. Yeah, um, I've got that again about Mickey. Like you say, he's been mentioned. Well, he's mentioned. I think it was the first ever episode he was mentioned, and then again here. But we still haven't seen him. We do meet him fairly soon. I think now. I think series two, he does make the appearance, doesn't he? Yeah, I think so. It might even be the one with the old lawnmower engines. Um, is is a, is our debut? So it's actually a good episode. So I look forward to getting round to that one. Oh, fucking Granddad cooking those his Christmas dinner and that. I mean, that is probably like the gag of the episode for me. I think that whole section. Yeah. It is. Um, they were trying to carve it with that electric knife. It's not even plugged in. It hasn't got a plug on it, has it? And, um, <laughs> He's one thing it. Is, well, <laughs> when Dale first walks in, we've said this before about him, it doesn't take him long. He comes in, Rodney's sat there moaning about Grandad's cooking. Grandad's now gone to the kitchen. And within about, what, I'd say a minute of being in, Dale's poured himself a drink, hasn't he? He has, yeah. I can't remember what he pours himself. Um, but I remember at one point, Rodney's got a can of Heineken. Well, I think it's Heineken mm. by the look of the label in his hand. But it's a really small tin. And I know these days it's become trendy again to have the kind of the fridge-sized tins, aren't you? The little like ones that are about the size of a Coke can. But this Heineken, I was, you know, in the early 90s and stuff when I was a kid. I remember my dad drinking them and the tin was fucking massive. But he's got this tiny little piddly tin of it. I do remember those, actually. Um, before I was drinking, but I do remember seeing the little cans because that was in the old days where the ring pulls um, came off, wouldn't it? Do you remember that? When he didn't just yeah, I do remember them, yeah. them back, they actually came off. They were fucking dangerous as well. They were razor sharp. Probably why they stopped that. Well, I think you probably had people using them as a peaky blinder, didn't you? Tucking it into the old <laughs> flat cap. People in London and that slashing each other. One thing yeah. I've got to say as well, from a fashion point of view, I mean, it's not too bad this episode until they get to the club. But Rodney, like, he's led on the sofa um, at this point in the episode when we first see him. But then he turns around to speak to Dell and he puts his feet on the floor and his fucking jeans come out to his knees almost. It's like proper sweat <laughs> going on. He's, well, well, I have got a note here because I know you'd obviously mention it, Bread Rolls fashion um, tips or episode. But he um, he has toned it down a little bit in this, obviously, until he gets to the club. When he gets back in his praying mantis suit, I think he wore the same one in the last episode. Um, but he's kind of just in those shitty jeans and like a sort of, I think he's just got a T-shirt or a shirt on, hasn't he? He's, he's quite toned down, even Dell, until he gets to the club and then he goes well over the top, as we always know he does. He's fairly calm and he's got that red sort of 
polo thing on, hasn't he? With um, like his pocket, it might even have Dell embroidered on the pockets. I know he's got one of those kicking about. Yeah, yeah, I think he has. Yeah, because like you say, Rodney's just got like the black shirt on. Granddad's just got his fucking cardigan and apron combo going on. Speaking of um, Granddad, that bit when they're at the table and Dell was like hacking away with his plugless like electric slicer. There's a seat. There's a bit there. I don't know if you noticed it. Granddad looks at the audience. I don't know if that was something he meant to do, as if to say, like, fucking hell, what's going on here? To try and get more laughs out of it. Um, or if he just did it by mistake. It's got to be tricky um, performing in front of a live audience, but not obviously acknowledging the fact they're there. But he actually looks off of the camera towards the audience. I didn't notice that, Brad. Well, one thing I did notice, though, and I don't know, again, if this was meant to be in it, Dell comes in and he just he comes in, speaks to Rodney, takes his coat off, and he chucks it into the hallway, trying to get it onto one of the coat hangers out in the hallway. And it just falls to the floor. And you can see the set wobble, the wall that these coat hangers are on. It's obviously just a bit of plasterboard or something. And it really wobbles in the background. I don't know if you noticed that. I didn't notice it wobbling, but I did notice the, the coat came off. But yeah, you're right. Especially back then, it was just plasterboard, wasn't it? It's probably barely held on. There's probably some poor little fucking intern behind it trying to hold it <laughs> steady just for the shot. <laughs> yeah, probably. And when they're sat at the table as well, they're drinking that bottle of red wine. They're chilling the red wine, aren't they? They've got like a wine cooler they keep putting it back in. You don't chill red wine. Yeah, I know. And do you notice how watery that wine was? I mean, it probably wasn't even <laughs> wine, or it might have been. It was the 80s. They might have been drinking it. But it just looked like bloody cranberry juice or something. Because the way the light was hitting it, it was really transparent. Yeah. It probably was cranberry juice or Ribena or something. So I don't think, well, like you say, it was the 80s, though. So it might have been real wine. I do like the way Dell pretends he sort of knows about wine as well. And he, he says that he went to the shop and he said, I don't want any of your table wine. You go down in that cellar and get me a bottle of that Vin Ordinaire. <laughs> <laughs> Just like typical Dell hasn't got a fucking clue, but pretending he knows everything. Yeah, yeah, you've got to love uh, Dell and his, uh, his culture, as, we, as we'd say. <laughs> one, one line that made me laugh is when they're talking about like Grandad's underdone turkey, which looks fucking grim. Um, and they're like, is it slightly underdone? And Roddy's like, slightly underdone. I reckon a kiss of life would bring that back to life. <laughs> yeah. And also in this one, we say about Grandad having his good one-liners and his little bits. It, um, Rodney's talking about the uh, Christmas cards from the charity shops and Dale says about them coming from the drug addiction centre. And Grandad pipes up with, I don't know why they want these drug addiction centres. I mean, haven't we got enough drug, ad- drug addicts without training them? Yeah. <laughs> it's not a recruitment centre yeah he always has a good little line in pretty much all these episodes then he just pipes up with one yeah I can't remember yeah it's Dell isn't it when um, Rodney's doing that whole thing right, saying he's bored and all that sort of stuff and then Dell turns around it's Christmas it's a religious festival it's meant to be boring yeah he does and it just shows how bad the TV was back then there's a circus on one channel Rodney turns over I'm assuming BBC and ITV and there's a circus on the other bloody channel I mean I vaguely remember I, I was alive when this came out but I was a kid but I vaguely remember the TV being pretty shit at Christmas but to be fair I was all about the presents and you are when you're that age I don't really give a toss what's on TV but to be fair it hasn't really got much better has it there's still shit on TV now 40 years later yeah there is I mean I don't even like have a, my TV plugged in anymore because of that. Because like normally at Christmas, you'd have a couple of good movies or something that would be on if you were lucky. But nowadays, it's just the same old crap, isn't it? It's just over and over. I'd rather just whack in a DVD, like and have a DVD of Only Fools, and just leave that playing in the background at Christmas. Yeah, I mean, the, the big Christmas specials like this, you just don't get them anymore. I mean, I know you're not a fan, but the last Christmas special I even got vaguely excited about was a Gavin and Stacey one a few years back. 
Um, other than that, I can't remember even getting mildly excited about Christmas special. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's just, I don't know. TV is good. Like, TV's become bigger as far as, obviously, quality and standard go. Like, you know, you've got your big budget things, your Game of Thrones, your Walking Deads, your Breaking Bads, all that sort of stuff. But as far as just a good family-friendly, if you want to call it that, you know, good sort of, like, sitcom-type show, and like you say, with your Christmas specials and stuff, it just doesn't happen anymore, does it? No, and all the decent comedies, and I use the term decent loosely, the better comedies these days are all on Netflix and Prime and things like that. And they're all, they're not really family friendly. They're quite fucking out there, aren't they? A lot of them. Um, most of the family friendly comedy is just so shit and watered down. It's not even worth the time of day. Yeah, yeah. Comedies, uh, well, I tend to avoid most modern comedy. Let's just put it that way. Um, <laughs> there's another line here that I don't know, some people might get a bit funny about i can't remember what the build-up to it is but rodney's talking doing one of his things he's like what are those things that commit suicide all the time and delton drana says japanese doesn't he like obviously yeah. referencing the old <laughs> suicide bombers the old bonsai pilots i think they were called but again it was obviously just an off-the-cuff bit and it got a few laughs from the crowd but these days i doubt you'd get away with that one i literally had the next line in my notes i was about to say the same thing i think rodney's talking about just christmas being fucking boring and that and committing suicide because he's so bored yeah it's um it's very dodgy and certainly something you wouldn't see in a, a tv show these days yeah i gotta say like this episode it's quite flat and it gets flat around here because after dinner's happened this conversation this whole section between dell and rodney when they're sort of like rodney's doing his thing i'm bored and all that stuff and there was like it just seems to go on quite yes like, longer than it needs to i was just thinking is this actually going anywhere and there is a good punchline at the end with granddad when he comes in and obviously says, I'm going out. But I was like, fuck out, this is actually dragging him. It's not really got any life to it, this section. Yeah, exactly the same. It was almost that um, Nicholas Lindhurst and David Jason were struggling a little bit. They had that bit just before granddad does come out. And it's good timing by old Leonard Pierce. Obviously, he's right on cue. But um, Rodney's like, I will go out. And Dale's like, you won't. I will. I won't. It goes back and forth for about 30 seconds. And it's very drawn out. Yeah, yeah, like you say, it's almost like they didn't quite know where they were going with it. One thing about it, though, I don't know if you picked up on this. Like this scene, like we say, it's quite long. It probably goes on for just like five minutes, five or six minutes, maybe longer. Which obviously, when you're watching it, is quite a chunk of time. Mm. And these guys, Dell and Rodney, they're under the belief that Granddad's in his room. But then he comes out of the hallway with his coat and everything, and he goes, "Right, I'm off." So it's like, how long have you been in the hallway waiting to do that? <laughs> you know, if that was real life, like they didn't notice he'd have gone out the front door, probably because obviously Rodney was awake. I know Dell was asleep, but. It was all done for the joke and good timing by Leonard Pierce, like you said. But it's like, why would he have been stood out there all that time just waiting? <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, he's listening to him arguing and that's why he went out. But he said he listened to him for a bit too bloody long. But when they do finally go out, um, that club is so fucking depressing, isn't it? It's like, fucking hell. No wonder Dale was going, well, Roddy was going about committing suicide, if that's what he had to look forward to. Yeah, right. I mean, I thought it was a bit strange. I know it does happen probably more these days because people don't really... You know, Christmas isn't what it once was, and the, the world's a different place, um, like commercially. But it's surprised to see, like back then, a club open on Christmas. Uh, it is Christmas night, isn't it? That they go yeah. out. Yeah, I mean they're moaning, aren't they? Rodney, in particular, everything's shut, so that was pretty much the only place open. I remember one Christmas, me and old comic book, you know, comic book, obviously. We um, I don't know why we didn't have any beer. We were desperate for a beer, and we had to walk about fucking five miles to the only shop that was open on Christmas Day. It's like, that was just bad planning. Why didn't we have any beer anyway? But, yeah, I mean, back then, I mean, obviously we were over 18, but just 
places didn't open, did they? But now you've got well, all the little shops now they're open three sixty five days a year, twenty four seven. Some of them in London, they never fucking shut. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, you and me, we worked in retail a long time. We worked together in retail, and it's like it was ridiculous. It's like, right, you're going to work up to the like six o'clock on box uh, Christmas Eve, uh, Christmas Day as your day off that week because the company was so generous, and you want they want you back in Boxing Day, and it's like. Fucking hell, can't people go like two days without having to go to a shop or anything? It's ridiculous. Yeah. It, oh, it made both of us hate Christmas. I, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm pretty sure you were the same. I fucking dreaded it every year because it was just horrible. Um, and yeah, we, we'd have to work late on Christmas Eve to launch the fucking sale ready for Boxing Day. So all, all day Christmas Day, certainly from the afternoon onwards, just thinking, we've got work tomorrow, great. Why everyone else is bragging about their three fucking weeks off and you've got like a day. Yeah, everyone getting drunk now. It's like, well, I've got to stand there with a, like, a mob of... Because the amount of customers that come out there was absolutely chaos. It's like a mosh yeah. pit in there sometimes. It's going off track a little bit, but just thinking about how, you know, Christmas is. And yeah, it did make me hate it. And I'm not a big fan of it these days, but at least I get 12 days off to be miserable instead of one day. So. <laughs> <laughs> Boxing Day was always the worst day. It was just so busy. because Everyone was just moaning about stuff they didn't want or that was broke. It was obviously our fault. But anyway, we have gone a little bit off track there. Yeah, so. we have. Little history <laughs> lesson there. <laughs> I'll tell you um, one thing, and this blew me away because we've mentioned um, like the prices that they get for things in um, these episodes back in the 80s. Now, Dell goes in and he's dressed like a navy blue fucking gangster with his dopey suit he's wearing. <laughs> and he orders himself a Remy Martin with cream and soda. And he orders Rodney, I think it gets a full lager, not half a lager. And it costs yeah, him it Christmas, isn't it? Yeah, 98 <laughs> Yeah. I did pick up on that. It's like, fuck me. I mean, you can't even get a can of beer for 98p these days, or certainly a drinkable one. Yeah, how times have changed, eh, bread roll? Yeah, you can't even get tap water for 98p around here. Yeah. <laughs> Although going off track again a little bit, in spoons, um, one ninety nine for a pint these days, um, for a pint of guest ale, which, you know, 40 years later, I know Dell obviously ordered two drinks, one of them being some kind of weird fucking cocktail thing. But yeah, one ninety nine for a pint, can't argue with that. Yeah, yeah, it's good, the old guest ales as well. There's a festival on, just to, for anyone who's um, in the area who probably doesn't even know where we live, there's actually a guest um, an ale festival on in Spoons coming up, so get down there for your cheap pints. And Lidl have got some kind of festival going on as well with different craft beers and stuff, and we're going well off track now. This is what happens when we talk about pubs and Christmas, we just go <laughs> off track completely. <laughs> well, it's usually the only thing I link with being positive at Christmas is alcohol, so... Yeah, 100% bread roll. Yeah. Going back to this actual episode, um, when Dale bumps into that guy Earl at the bar and he's um, he's trying to sort of cheer him up a bit because he's had a bad time and he tries to turn... I think Earl's dad's in hospital, isn't he? And he says, yeah. tell them about antibiotics. He's like, tell them to give him some of them. And it's like, I mean, I don't know how long antibiotics have been around, but surely they were fairly well known in the early eighties. I don't know. I'm not. I'm. I work in a medical profession now. I'm not a fucking doctor, though. I have to say. <laughs> You're not filling people with confidence now. They're going to come through and be like, "Oh, just JT. We'll go somewhere else now to get our prescription." Um, no, I don't. Yeah. I don't deal with that side of things. I have nothing to do with the clinical <laughs> side of things. So I'll just throw that out there. I do not give clin- clinical advice. <laughs> Uh, that um, guy again he's one of those we've said it a couple of times now there's usually in these episodes there's like a one kind of random side character and he comes mm. in episode for a couple of minutes but he's quite amusing isn't he because he's obviously a bit slow um for lack of a better term and he's quite funny watching like because like, Dell bless him he tries doesn't he but he's not exactly the sharpest knife in the drawer 
but he obviously this guy is like below trigger standard by the looks of it. Yeah, he doesn't look particularly clever, does he? And I was thinking while I watched this again earlier, Dale was obviously going on about antibiotics and all this and telling the, the people at the hospital are a bunch of wallies and they don't know what they're doing. Then Rodney pulls him to one side and says, Dale, what the hell are you doing? You know, stop giving advice. You don't know what you're talking about. And Dale says he's just trying to cheer him up. And you think, again, is that Dale's nice side coming out, trying to be nice to this guy? Or is he just trying to be, you know, a dick and just blag? He knows everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Because Dale does this kind of twice, doesn't he, in this episode? Like when he gives that thing at the start about granddad saying, you know, he's an old man and stuff. You know, he, he needs to feel like he's does something for this family so cooking christmas dinner is his thing even though he knows for well it's going to cock it up which he does so mm. maybe it is like showing that dell does have kind of a we know he is a, a gentleman and he like he looks after his mates and stuff so maybe it's just showing that he does have that kind of softer side to him but it's hard to kind of figure out when he's doing it genuinely and when he's just being dell boy you know yeah and rodney has the the sort of standard go at dell doesn't he? he says he's too flash and all that and he's larry while, while they're sort of in the club looking at these two girls. And Dale says it's his plumage. He's like a peacock, and that's why he gets the girls. And Rodney always ends up with the dogs. And they have a kind of another argument, don't they, which, again, is really long and fucking drawn out, like the one in the flat. Yeah, they just... I mean, I know, obviously, <laughs> the entire saga is full of arguments between these two, but in this particular episode, yeah, they just seem like, right, we need to fill up the screen time, so I'll just have you two arguing pointlessly for a minute. Like, it would have been funny if it's just a quick little like sort of nag at each other, then they moved on. But yeah, they just get really drawn out in this one. Yeah, I mean, you get Rodney psyching himself up. He gets Mickey's book out, it's a quick look, and he, he psychs himself up. Looks like he's about to fucking, I don't know, do some karate or something, doesn't he? And Dale's like, what the hell are you doing? Oh, I'm psyching myself up. And obviously he goes over there walking like a complete bell end, and then Dale shouts him back before he even really gets to the two girls, which I think he has about three or four efforts to walk over to them. I'm pretty sure they would have just fuck them off if he even got to talk to them but obviously he never does in the end um, but one thing I did notice and I don't know if you did while Rodney's psyching himself up and Dell sort of stood there looking at him like what the fuck are you doing that Earl guy seems to be in the background chatting up some blonde lady so he's not having such a bad time of life I didn't notice him no I was too busy watching Rodney's weird like <laughs> what he was doing he looked somewhere between constipation and you know, stretching to do a marathon. But um, I didn't actually see him in the background because I was distracted by Lynnhurst. Yes, I'm not 100% sure it's him, but I'm pretty, I think it is because there's not that many people in this club. I mean, there's only a few extras dotted about. And there's a guy in the background who certainly looks very much like Earl with his arm around a blonde woman. And yet in the scene before, he's told Dale that his missus is at home with the kids or something and he's pissed off. So I don't know. Obviously, he's not that pissed off. Yeah, right. Just um, having a thought there, obviously with these drawn out scenes and this being a bit of a flat episode, maybe it was something to do with that geezer, what's his name, Ray Buck, because they said this was the one he, the only episode he didn't produce, isn't it? Maybe he knew what he was all about and that's why it felt a little bit rough compared to the other ones. Yeah, quite possibly. And obviously it's written by John Sullivan, but Ray Buck was one of the, the main guys as well. So, um, obviously producing pretty much every episode in the first six years, so... He obviously got better as he went along as well. So, yeah, it could well be something to do with it because as far as Christmas specials go, it's not particularly cheery, is it? No, no, not really. Yeah, it's um, a bit grim in places, really. And the bit at the end, um, obviously, they're trying to chat with these two birds at the table and obviously the other geezers get them. But there's another two set of girls in there who, you know, yeah. not obviously 
casting disparities or anything like that. But obviously they're the less looking, the less desirable girls and Rodney and uh, Dell aren't really that interested. But they keep making eyes at Dell and Rodney. And Dell was moaning that obviously his feet are hurting because they've been stood up. And they go over to these girls and they're like, are you going home soon, ladies? It's getting a bit late. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll get our coats, thinking they're going home with Dell and Rodney. And then he's like, oh, yeah, oh, we'll have your table then. And that's how it ends. But I'm thinking, yeah, these girls have been making eyes at you, but you haven't even bought them a drink or had a conversation yet. They're willing just to go straight home with you. It's like, I'm very <laughs> safe. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, it's a little bit dodgy, isn't it? But yeah, I mean, obviously they were looking at the two and I'm going to use the term, like you said, it's not derogatory against the other women, but the two more attractive, I guess, certainly in Dale and Rodney's eyes. But beggars can't be choosers in this world. And the other two, you know, fair play. They could have had a, a nice evening with them, but... Obviously, that's the punchline and everything that they've been trying. And then while it's right in front of them, it's almost, is it that Dell doesn't even notice or is it that he's not interested? Because he doesn't even fucking look at them, does he? No, no, this is one of those ones as well, because the two, like, attractive, quote unquote, if you want, that Rodney's obviously getting all, like, you know, getting all stiffy over, basically. Um, <laughs> mantis. Exactly. I mean, Dell's normally straight in there with all the patter and everything, isn't he? Like, chatting up every, you know, bird the side of the water. But, mm. um, He's not even bothered, is he? He's barely... Like, I know he probably doesn't even want to be in the club that much anyway. He's just going... Because he... Like Rodney, he's probably bored as well. But he's not even interested in any of the women, is he? He's just there drinking and he's, this looks pretty miserable. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He's just mugging Rodney off, isn't he? Taking a piss out of him rather than trying anything himself. Go on, you go over there. You do it. He's just not really bothered, is he? And every time Rodney goes over he, and Dell calls him back, they get further and further away from the prize, don't they, I guess? Yeah. Yeah, there's, um, yeah, it's just a bit of a weird episode, isn't it? It just kind of, it starts all right. I'd say like the first kind of eight to ten minutes are good. But after the kind of like Christmas dinner has been had, which is like the opening sequence, it just kind of falls really flat and didn't really have much pickup along the way. Like the little gag with Grandad going out, that was well done with the timing. And there's a couple of like funny bits, like you say, with um Rodney trying to psych himself up. But overall, I was kind of sat there thinking, not really chuckling at this one. I'm just kind of watching it as a normal kind of episode. It's not one of the funniest. I'd say it's probably my least favourite um, for what we've done so far. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, and we said last week the Russians are coming was our least favourite. But when we were talking off, um, after we stopped recording last week, we even thought this was a different episode. So it shows how much <laughs> we actually have watched this one. Um, yeah, for a Christmas special, I mean, even for a normal episode, it's flat. But for a Christmas special, it's very flat. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um so I don't really have much more to bring to this this episode, really. I've sort of said what I need to say about the episode, but um, anything else from you there, JT? No, I think we've wrapped it up, Brad Roll. This, technically, like I say, is the end of Series 1, um, although it was kind of two months tacked on the end after the final proper episode. Um, series 1 is now a wrap. Yes, it is indeed. And um, for all our listeners out there who join us, we hope you've enjoyed our look at season one, our series one, sorry, slap myself on the wrist there. We're not American. <laughs> I'll slap you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dell. <laughs> you <tart. laughs> Yeah, um, we hope you've enjoyed uh, our little run through of uh, series one. We've enjoyed doing it, even with the episodes that haven't been as good like this one, but it's always good to go back. We are going to move swiftly on to series two. And as always, if you want to get in touch with us or let us know what you think of episodes personally or what you think of the show in general, then please do so by finding us on Twitter at The Hyperbaric Goats. Indeed. And also, we do have a sister podcast, which actually started before this one, where we review 
well, just doing movies at the moment. We have done some TV stuff in the past, which actually started with Only Fools and Horses. So there will be a couple of crossovers in the, the coming weeks. But yeah, we're um we're also doing some movies and we're doing some Nick Cage stuff at the moment. And uh, I know everyone loves Nick Cage. So if you haven't already checked that one out, then give that one a spin. Um, that's just the Hyperbaric Goats. It's on the same Twitter page, but it's a slightly different podcast. And um, we go a little bit more in depth on those ones and generally waffle on for a good couple of hours sometimes. Yeah, fairly incoherently. And most of the time, JP <laughs> usually hungover or drunk. But we're talking about Nick <laughs> Pete, so it's probably the best way to do it. So. <laughs> yeah, the last few episodes have kind of seen that pattern bred well, and I do apologise. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, as always, thank you for joining us. And from Bread Roll, just remember, it's not goodbye, it's just bonjour. And from JT, I've just got one last thing to say. Oh, Bane Marie! Bane Marie! No income tax, no VAT, no money back, no guarantee. Black or white, rich or poor, we'll cut prices at a straw.